Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash W-A-N-T-P-O-W-E-R. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubel, MD, episode number 100. Welcome to Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, the podcast where busy doctors like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the weight so you can feel better and have the life you want. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. What's up, my friend? Welcome to the podcast today. I am so excited. This podcast has been such a long time coming. I have such a treat for you today. I have my coach and mentor, Brooke Castillo, on the podcast. So she and I decided a long time ago, well over a year ago, that she would be my guest on the podcast when I reached 100 episodes. It's kind of a big milestone. (laughs) 100 weeks of content coming at you consistently every week. We're not quite at two years. That's coming up in just a couple weeks. But we thought, okay, we're going to do episode 100. And that's it. What I love about Brooke, though, is that I had said, how about we do episode 100? And she said, yeah, okay. And at that time, I didn't even have 50 episodes. And I said, or we could do 50. And she's like, nope, nope, you said 100 first, we're doing 100. And at the time, it felt so far away, like it would never come. And I knew, though, that it was going to be so fun to see what a difference there was between myself then and myself now, both personally and professionally as a coach. And that's exactly what happened. It was so fun. Okay, so Brooke Castillo, I mean, how do I even introduce her? She is amazing. So she is a master certified 
life coach and weight coach and a coach instructor. So she's the person who trained me how to become a coach at the Life Coach School, which you can find at thelifecoachschool.com if you're interested. And she is the person who took tons and tons of different teachings by lots of different people such as Eckhart Tolle and Byron Katie and Wayne Dyer and all kinds of different people and made it very actionable and useful by calling by creating what we call the model, right? So it's not that she created the model, the model's always been there. She just organized it in a way that is really useful for us to all use. And it's what I've taught you here and what I teach in my coaching groups. So she created that. She also took me through my personal weight loss journey and has completely changed my life. I mean, for real, her involvement in my life. I mean, the before Brooke era and the after Brooke era are very, very different. And I'm so grateful that she has come into my life and has just helped me to just transform my life in all the best possible ways. So I can't wait to talk weight loss with her on this podcast. I know you're going to find it so interesting and just a interesting little, do do you ever wish that you could just be like a fly on the wall with people? (laughs) I think that's what it's going to feel like because the way we're talking, it's just like we're just chatting like we always normally do. And I think it's going to be fun for you to listen in. We talk some more basic concepts. We talk some pretty high level topics and concepts. And I thought it'd be fun for you guys to get a sense of all of the different things that we talk about. So enjoy this episode and interview with Brooke Castillo. See you next week. Brooke Castillo, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yay. I'm so happy to be here, Katrina. I have been looking forward to this for over a year because you may recall, I don't think you recall actually, but a long, long time ago, we agreed that you'd be my 100th episode guest. 100! Oh my God, that's so exciting. It is. almost two years of podcasting. I know. End of January, it'll be two years. Like, that's a serious accomplishment, like showing up every week. You know, because your podcast is like, you're approaching 300, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Super good. Congrats on 100. That's awesome. Thank you very much. All right. So you have said... We're going to dig in immediately. Let's just get going. Let's just do it. That's our style. We're like, hi, let's get (laughs) Stop the chit chat. Let's just talk. Okay. So you have said that on multiple occasions that you knew that I would be successful as a coach and in weight loss because not only did I sign up for life coach training with you, but then within about a month, I doubled down my investment and signed up for a very intensive weight loss program with you in a small group setting. Yes. So I wanted to know why you thought that and what you saw in me that made you think that. Well, I think first, it's so interesting because I have sold hundreds of things to hundreds of people, but I remember our call. I remember talking to you about it. I remember telling you to double down. I remember all of it. (laughs) And what's so interesting is you were just so thoughtful about it. And I think you're one of those people and you can always tell, you're one of those people that if you decide to do something you do it. And I think that was kind of like you wanted to think it through, make sure, I think you want to talk to your husband about it. And I think what you did say to me is if I do sign up for this, I'm going to do it. And you did. And I think that is really the secret. I think a lot of times we think we can just sign up for something (laughs) 
and the, like maybe the gym. <laughs> right. And somehow the result will be delivered to us. Like that's what happens on Amazon. Like you buy something and then you get it. And I don't you know why that up. doesn't weight loss. And so I knew for the sure because you were very clear and you always have been from the minute you signed up for anything, you've always done everything I've asked. And I think that is an underestimated skill. I think that people want to filter programs based on their own brain, which is always a terrible idea because the current brain that you have is what's getting you the result you want. And so I think you signing up and just being willing, even though we had a few arguments about a few things. Yeah, it doesn't mean that I never resisted anything. <laughs> That's right. But you were like, I, I want to understand this, but I want to also do it. And so, you know, doing the food journals, doing everything that you did. I was actually thinking about this today before we got on to record this. I was thinking, I wonder if you get the benefit of that with doctors. I wonder if that is a skill that you guys are trained. Like there's no like, you can't like skip a step. We're like, ah, we just won't sew them up today. Right. It's hard to half-ass it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Kind of like you're used to kind of going through all of those steps. And so I think I just thought it was interesting to think about, oh, maybe that is as a student, you're just, you know, doctors are typically really good students. Yeah. Otherwise you don't become a doctor. And so I think that's why I knew you'd be successful is just, you were willing to double down on yourself, which most people don't believe in themselves enough to do that and willing to do all of the work that was asked of you, whether, whether it felt amazing or not. Right. Right. And I, you know, what I think is I couldn't even have maybe even recognize the value of this at the time, right. but investing in that coaching of myself yes. then allowed me to be so much of a better coach as well. Totally. Like, I, yes. I don't think that I put two and two together at the time, but now I can look back and go, yeah, okay, I learned how to become a coach and I was intensively coached. Doing that work on yourself is really that first step. Of and we course. Tell people that, but it's like, it's, it's almost like a revelation. Like, no, yeah. for, for real, that is what has been so helpful. So, yes. I often, and I think that's one of the reasons why your business has been so successful. And I think this is true across the board for people. I think when you are a really good student, you attract people like you. And I'm a very good student. When I sign up for something, I do all the things, right? Yeah. I figure, hey, I'm putting money down, I'm putting time down this person, I'm putting my faith in them. I'm going to try all the exercises, all the things they're asking me to do. And so I think that's why I attract, I attracted you, right? And yeah, that's why you right. probably attract really good students into your program. Totally. And that's what I noticed with my clients who get the most amazing results, right? They're the ones who are showing up. They are doing all of the work, asking questions, just sharing everything they possibly can and immersing themselves in it. And, you know, especially for something that's, I mean, for so many of us with weight issues, like decades worth of issues with it. It's not going to be this thing that you can do for six months, like kind of on the side a little bit when you feel like it and expect to have a life transforming experience, right? Like you have to be willing to put in that time and effort and really commit to it. And I think doctors are so great at being able to do that. Like I would often think to myself, like I'm so dedicated before I lost the weight, before I knew the coaching tools, I'm so dedicated to my patients. Like if Mm. I say I'm going to do something, 100% I'm going to do it for sure. It was just putting everybody else in front of myself. And then by the time it was something for me, it was like, ah, you know, yeah, I still remember you saying that to me, it feels like just something that I've probably known forever. But I know I learned it from you when you said to me, no, here's the deal. You decide what you're going to eat. 
And then you expect to not want to eat it. And then (laughs) anyway, and I was like, come again. (laughs) Wait, what'd you say? That makes no sense. Same thing with everything, right? Like you're going to, oh, just like I didn't want to go to work and I went anyway. Yes. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like how many of us just want to stay in bed? Like everybody, everybody, every day, (laughs) a couple more hours, let's just stay in bed. And so I love that conversation between why don't we just always do what we want to do? Why don't we just eat whatever we want all day? Why don't we just lay in bed and watch Netflix all day? I mean, who needs to take care of the kids or the puppies or right? And I think it's a legit question. And I had this moment, really had this moment with my kids when they were toddlers. I had my kids like 14 months apart. And I tell this story a lot to my students, but your people probably haven't heard it. I went to the park one day and they were playing and those kids just exhausted me. I had two boys. They were both in diapers. They were both like hellions, like serious. (laughs) And they were always fighting with each other. And I remember thinking like, I wish I didn't have to take care of these kids. Like this is a nightmare. And I think a lot of parents can relate to that, right? With toddlers, we're like, at some point they will be adults, but it's not today. (laughs) And I'm like, someday they're going to be adults and I'm not sure I'm going to like them. (laughs) I've made a terrible mistake. What's happening? Right. I remember just having this moment like, oh, I don't have to take care of them. Like, I don't have to, I can just leave this park right now. I can, I don't, I can put them up for adoption literally. And I don't know why, but that was just such a profound experience. I was like, yes, we do the things that we quote unquote don't want to do because ultimately that brings us what we want in our lives. And that, I think that's the, the trick that we have to understand is that all the things we quote unquote don't want to do get us everything we want. Right. Right. And so that kind of ties me into another thing I wanted to talk to you about. So I've been doing master coach training with you this year. Yeah. And we're, you know, tying that up and it's been a very transformative, I was going to say amazing experience, but it's also extremely painful, which is exactly (laughs) how you like it. I know. (laughs) I don't want to sound too attractive, really. It's very hard, but amazing (laughs) at the same time. But we talked about weight loss and just the idea that it like means nothing, like losing the weight means nothing and it means everything. Yes. And I wanted you to kind of elaborate on that a little bit more because I think that is such a great way of thinking about it. Yeah. So, and it's interesting. I was just having a conversation. One of the conversations that I often have with students is the idea of like body image and how much should you weigh and why even bother losing weight? And first and foremost, loving your body at any size is the number one priority. Because if you can't love your body overweight, you're certainly not going to be able to love it thin. And people do not believe me, but it's true, right? So I get so Mm -hmm. many people that lose so much weight and then they have the skin and then they're like, why am I not 30 years younger? And I thought (laughs) losing weight was going to make everything better. And I thought I was going to like myself more. And of course it does none of that. It just removes fat from your body. Yeah, And so the question then becomes, okay, well, if I can love my body when I'm overweight, then why does it matter to lose weight, right? It presupposes that the only idea that the only reason you would lose weight is to give yourself permission to love your body, which of course is ridiculous because you can love your body now. And I think it's so important to recognize that you can't hate yourself then and then start loving yourself. It just, right. It just is. That's what I think most people think they're they're like, okay, I'll just get thin and then I'll work on my thoughts about myself. That's right. That's and right. It's like it's so much easier for you if you could just work on your thoughts now. Then the weight well, loss is easy and fun, and it's just just a delight, right? And if the reason you love your body is because you're thin, then you're always 
freaking out about gaining the weight back, which of course, Mm -hmm. inevitably leads to you gaining the weight back and hating yourself again. So there comes a point where there came a point for me where I just decided, listen, I'm going to love myself no matter what. I love my body now and I will love my body then. And that's kind of an interesting thing. Maybe you could speak to this a little bit. I don't think when I met you, you had as much body loathing and body shame. No, I never have been someone who had like a ton of that. Yeah. I mean, I would call it more like dissatisfaction than like loathing or shame. It was never like super intense. And I think, you know, as I've done so much more of this deeper work, especially this last year, figuring out that it wasn't so much like my deeper issues were not so much about like me really hating myself or anything like that, but just thinking that I'm good enough. And so much of the, so many of the thoughts and negative thoughts that I had about myself were basically to like create evidence for that. Of course. Which was so interesting to figure out, of course, right? Because I was like, if you had asked me, I would have been like, what are you talking about? No, I have a very, you know, like, I'm like, no, of course. My life is great. Yes. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it was just really interesting, but yeah, that, the body image thing, I work, I still work on it. I mean, right. Of like course. I'm 42. I mean, like <laughs> I look like a 42 year old. Why does my body look like the magazines? I'm I know, exactly. But, um, but I think yeah. that part of that for me, so when you make peace with your body, of course, then at any weight, then when you're thinner, when you lose all the weight, you're not afraid of gaining it back, which of course prevents you from gaining it back because you love it. And I know that like you could put 50 pounds on my body and I'm still going to love myself. So I think that's the point where it doesn't matter if you lose weight or not, doesn't matter at all when you love yourself anyway. Right. And I think so many of our students and clients get on that scale and make that number mean whether they're going to love themselves that day. And as soon as it means that, then you've completely screwed your chances of being able to do it. And so what I mean by losing weight means nothing is that it doesn't mean anything. And it means everything because it is ultimately the effect of getting to the place where you love your body. Because when you get to the place where you love your body, you no longer want to trash it. You no longer want to overeat. You no longer need to overeat because you're willing to experience the discomfort that is the experience of being a human. So meaning um, feeling your feelings and not eating. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So do, does everyone need to lose weight? I get a lot of pushback on this. Like, why are you encouraging women to lose weight? And why are you giving them numbers to focus on and, and goals to focus on? And it's because the process of losing weight is the perfect opportunity to get in touch with your feelings and learn to love yourself. And Find all of the belief systems that are holding you back from everything in your life. And then, of course, you can apply it to anything else you want. Yeah, that's what I always feel like. I feel like once it's like (laughs) I can take anything that anybody's working on and apply it to how it's the same thing in weight loss and vice versa, right? Like it's like once you figure out this meta skill, then you're going to be able to take that and apply that to anything, your parenting, your work relationships, your everything, how you're showing up in your life. And so I think people sometimes underestimate that. They think like, okay, I'll handle the weight thing and then I'm going to go do other stuff. And of course, there's other stuff that you're going to do, but it's not just the weight loss. It's all of those skills that you learn, that relationship that you build with yourself that then allows you to go on and kill it in every other area of your life. That's right. And I do feel like... so. I lost all the weight, which of course was the easy part. The tyranny of experiencing myself without extra food was the hard tyranny, part. That's a good word for it, right? <laughs> right, right. Experiencing myself live and in person without any buffering. And same with alcohol, getting rid of alcohol in my life. And so now I feel like with goals that I set in my life, I'm just like, listen, 
<laughs> so easy compared to that, right? So I do think like it, it's almost like the first the first experience of like really getting in touch happened to me with the food. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's just talk really briefly about how you decided to stop drinking because that's yeah. something that you talk about a lot as well that I think is just taking the same work and applying it in a different way. Like you had yeah. lost all of the weight and then was it like 12 years or something later? 10, 12 years that you yeah. stopped drinking? Gosh, I don't know. I've never counted the years, but it's probably, you're probably right. Yeah, it's about 10 right. to 12. 12 yeah. years. And what's interesting is when I originally did all my work and lost all the weight, I wasn't drinking a lot then. But what I noticed is that as time went on, I was using alcohol in the same way that I had been using food, right? It was kind of sneaky, came on in. And so it required a whole nother layer of work for me to do, which of course, I was. it was much easier that round to like understand what was going on for me and to to really understand the drinking. I think that my issue is a lot of people that have like a really intense addiction to sugar, meaning that's kind of their, that's what they use, wasn't me, right? So I wasn't, I was much more into like potato chips and French fries and like those kind of foods. And so I think I did, where most people do that sugar work, I think in the in the weight loss. Yeah, like, I never yeah. did really did that work. I think I did that work with the alcohol. So, because yeah. you don't even like fruit or anything. It's just like the no, sweet no, no. stuff's not your thing. Yeah. yeah, sweet's not my stuff. So I see people really struggling with that. And that reminds me much more of the experience that I had with alcohol because I think yeah. because of the effect it has on the brain is so much more intense. Right. And for me, you know, my father died from alcoholism and I had always felt like since I had lost the weight, like I was so in control of my life and I was so in control of my emotional life. And I started to like feel that slipping a little bit with the alcohol. And even though I never had a problem to the point where like someone would be like, you have an alcohol problem for me. Yeah. It just didn't feel right. And so I went about, I went about it like very seriously. And I will say, I think between, you know, losing all the weight because of the work that I did there and stopping drinking, like I feel unstoppable. I feel like, oh my gosh, those are the two hardest things I can imagine doing. And I've made millions of dollars and I've created businesses and I've spoken to thousands of people. Nothing compares to that. So I feel like a lot of times our students are like, oh, losing weight's just a little side thing, right? It's just a little, it's like a vanity thing. I think it's everything. Mm -hmm. I think the, the way we do it, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Right, right. Because it's a complete, you just completely are changing yourself yes. from the inside out, like not just physically, but mentally as well. Yeah. And you know, I was never a huge, I mean, I know you weren't even a huge drinker. It's just like, you know, right. one glass of wine, you just didn't feel good, like that kind of thing. But, but even watching you going through all of that because that's when I kind of came into your world was as you were doing that. Yeah, yeah. I just was kind of like, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't even have that much desire for alcohol either mm -hmm. already. Like, maybe I'll just like do the work to just completely make it go away. And yeah, I mean, I never think about it really almost ever anymore. Very, very. A lot of, a lot of people do the weight loss work and then turn to alcohol. There's a yeah. lot of women. I mean, it's an epidemic of women who get weight loss surgery that then become alcoholics. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, you know, I find that with physicians too, though. Like I have yeah. a lot of clients who the way they unwind is like that glass of wine with dinner and then maybe another one while they're finishing their yeah. charts or maybe like another couple, two, three. And so they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of, you know, I'm sure I'll lose like five or 10 pounds when I stop drinking and they're not, they would never identify as an alcoholic right? A meeting or anything like that. They just want to want it less and yeah. want to figure out how to not use that. And 
And it's the same work with like not wanting ice cream less, you know, or cookies or potato of chips. Of course, or, yeah. Know, all of that stuff. So it I, all I do think well. the interesting thing about the alcohol piece, I think especially for, you know, women that are working in high stress environments is that, I mean, and who isn't? Right. You know what I mean? Not just doctors. Who is it? I mean, I, I even think about like massage therapists. I mean, they're still, they're, they're not getting the massage. They're getting, right. So they're like working out all day. Exactly. <laughs> I just think one of the things that I, it makes me a little bit nervous about the alcohol issue that we have as women is that it's not bad enough problem that we have to solve it. Yeah. Right. So it's not like we're getting DUIs and we're stumbling around drunk, but it's a problem that once you solve it, you realize how much of your own experience of being alive has been kind of buffered away. And so that's been huge for me. That's why I really want to encourage people to at least try, like give yourself a year to experience your life without that buffering. It's like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden it expands it did for me. It just expanded it so much. Yeah. So amazing. I love that. So another thing that we've talked about in Master Coach training is kind of like an unconscious or like under the surface type of negativity. Mm, yeah. That we dubbed the hum of negativity. Yes. <laughs> Meaning yeah. like there is, you don't know there's a hum until the hum shuts off. Yes. You're like, what hum? You're like, no, like this is just how it is. And so we've talked a lot about how, you know, there's lots of places, you know, where that can originate from, but especially in medicine, like mm-hmm. I think I, I was telling you, I was like, you know, you have to understand that I was trained to be able to tell you how anything can kill you. <laughs> like the zit on your face, like I can tell you, how probably gonna, you know, like I have to be able to go to that, like worst case, yeah. right, this negative place, but like worst case scenario place all the time. Yes. Plus then you work in an environment where you see bad things happening Plus the culture. And you normalize that. Right. Well, yeah, yeah right. I mean, it, you, you try to so that you're, because you don't want to feel those extremes of emotions. Well, of course. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. And then the culture of medicine just tends to be very negative. Like you mm-hmm. start off as a third year on your rotations and you're like super jazzed and excited. It's like, you're finally there. You know, you get to do that. And then you are working with, you know, a team of residents who might be kind of burned out and exhausted and you hear the way they think and what, how they're talking about everybody. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess this is how we think and talk about everybody. And then it just sort of becomes how you think and talk about it. Yes. And then you become the residents and you have med students and you pass it on down to them and it just becomes the way that everybody functions. So I know you've worked with other physicians, not just me. And I wanted to know just what your thoughts are about that, about like figuring out where that negativity is really negativity. Because like my issue was like, well, I just think I'm realistic. I think I'm just telling the truth. I'm keeping it real. And you're like, right, you're negative. So let's talk about that because I know I am not the only one who struggles with that. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, is our brains are pre-programmed, like from the womb to look for danger, right? To look for things that are wrong already. And then you compound that by training to be a physician. The thing that's always amazing to me when I work with doctors like you all is I'm like, wait a minute, let's just remember that you're a doctor. Like, it's just so awesome. And I feel like this happens so, so often with all of us, right? Is I remember I used to feel this way about thin people. I used to like go to lunch with friends that were thin. And I'm like, why are we talking about anything other than you being thin? Like that's, (laughs) that is the most fascinating thing in the world to me. And I want to talk about it. And of course they're like, 
not even appreciating right. that they're thin. They're yeah. like, what? That's boring. And I feel like it's the same with doctors. Like you guys work yes. so hard and go to school for so long and your identity is so tied up in it that you forget to like stop and just be like, I'm a badass. Right. Like, like pat what? on the back, sister. Like nice work. Like, yeah. Yeah. To keep remembering that. So I, I think that's what's so interesting. But I do think, and I actually don't think it's just doctors. I think that the way obviously you are programmed. I think sometimes people are programmed by their parents. If you're raised in a really negative environment with lots of negativity. And, and the thing is, is that you never meet someone that says, yeah, I'm really negative. Ever. Right. Right. They're not healthy. Like, we're just truthful and real. <laughs> I, I'm just realistic. I just face the facts, you know? Yeah. But the truth is like reality and facts are all neutral. And so we can't claim that reality is negative or that life is negative unless we're constantly interpreting everything around us as negative. And so I think a lot of times when you're when you're raised in an environment like that and you're surrounded by people like that, you are negative, but that feels like a baseline. It feels like normal. I have another client very similar to, she was not a doctor, but she is so negative, but has no awareness of it. So I like pointed out to her and she was like, what? Like, it's so fascinating. Like I didn't even realize that was a negative thing. She's like, I, you know, she goes, I, I just don't like the way she handled that. It seems like a positive thing to say. I don't like the way she handled that, but that upon the next, upon, everything that comes out is I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like mm -hmm. it. Even if it's mm -hmm. like justified dislike. Yeah. Like, of right, course, right, like, no, but I have a really good reason for yes, not liking right, it. <laughs> right. They're a total jerk. Of course, I'm not going to like them. So <laughs> I think that's, and obviously most people will never get to the point where they're analyzing themselves at that level to under, uncover something like that because it feels like just part of your DNA. It feels like part of your personality. But of course, in master coach training, we dig it all up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> it's we like, dig it. There's got to be something else Let's there. Find, find it, it. Right. And so I think that when there's that underlying negativity, that means in terms of your thought processes, your programming, that's just the hum underneath everything else, is it also will create an underlying negative, unnecessary negative emotion. Now, you know that I always teach like, we're going to, of course, have negative emotion, yeah. part of the deal, but it's not necessary for us to have the constant hum of negativity. Right. So and I think what it is, is like even consciously, probably consciously, you're going to have 50% positive, 50% yes. negative. But then you're actually, if you then also have this underlying, you know, unconscious, subconscious negativity, you're actually pushing it more yes. like 60, 40 or 70, 30 yes. negative yes. to positive. Yes. And you yes. think that's just neutral. You think it's yeah. just normal. And that's kind of like, I don't know. I feel like I meet people that haven't been exposed to coaching and they think their life is great. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> your life is great and it could be so much better, right? Yeah. It's like on the level. And I feel like that's not going to be for everyone. But I feel yeah. like if you can uncover negativity that you have, and some people, the people that are listening may be like, oh, I don't have that. Okay. So here's a quiz. What do y'all think about the world right now? What kind of state is the world in? What kind of state is America in? What kind of state is the government in? What kind of state yeah. is, name anything, family life. If your brain automatically goes to, there's something wrong with the world that needs to be fixed, you are one of those people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> in, in the big scope of things, do you see the world as going to hell in a handbasket or do you see it as the most amazing thing to be able to experience. Yeah. And it seems so 
logical to think that everything's pretty bad. Right. Right. Because because so many people agree too. So it's just like, no, I'm not the only one. Everyone I know thinks that way. Yes. Yes. I was just listening to Dan Sullivan talk about this. It was really fascinating. He was talking about technology and how often when you hear people talking about technology, they're typically talking about the problems that it's causing, right? Mm -hmm. And how overwhelming and challenging it is and how it's bringing up all these issues and whatever. And when you step back and you look at like the magnificence of technology and how amazing it is, it's just as true. So you were saying earlier, like, is the truth negative? No, the truth is just whatever you believe. Right. And if you believe that the world's bad, you're going to focus on that. And and that's what you will look for. That'll be your underlying identity of what you look for. And look at your parents. If you were to ask them, what do you think about the world? What would your parents say? Because that's probably a good indicator of how you were programmed. Right. Yeah. How you were raised. Yeah. Well, as you're talking about technology, that's just like the perfect segue for electronic medical records, which so many physicians just love to hate. It's like the villain of, you know, the last 10 years with almost every practice being forced to use it. You Mm. know, look at how I even say that forced. Yes. I like it. No, (laughs) they have choices. There's other things could have done, but they decided to do it. And it's been, it's created so much negative emotion. There's been such a rise in burnout among physicians and electronic medical records is a a big reason. That's what people cite as a, one of their top reasons for feeling burned out. And Mm. it's just because of their thinking about it. That's what I try to help them to understand is like, what if you looked at it like a game that you were just going to have play for you? Like, what if it could make your life so much better? You don't have any idea if it could, because you're so blocked off and thinking that it's bad and slows you down and it's horrible, right? Like, who would you be if you didn't have to chart for two or three hours every night? Or what if, (laughs) what if all of that was just a magnificent part of being a doctor, right? So it's kind of like what we said earlier. It's like, I planned on eating kale and now it's time to eat kale and I don't want to eat kale. You know, I don't want to have to do, what is it they don't like to do? Like put the information into the... Yeah. Like, I mean, so back when it was like paper charts, it was like very quick, some check boxes and you're like done with that chart onto the next person. Yeah, yeah. Now you might, you have to like type a bunch of stuff and like, there's all kinds of, you know, it just takes longer to go through it all. Yeah. So what if you just saw that as like, oh no, there was never going to be a chance where we would just write this on a piece of paper. Of course we have to put this in the computer. This is part of what being a doctor is about. And you could see it as kind of, it's like everything that I do in my business. There's so many things that I would quote unquote rather not do. But as soon as we see, oh, this is dumb, then we see all the ways that it's dumb and none of the ways. Right, right. I love that. Okay, final thing I want to talk to you about. So you have told me (laughs) so many times, you're like, doctors are so stupid. And you say that in a very loving way. Yes. (laughs) You mean that in the most respectful way. I love the doctors. I don't say they're stupid. You know what I say is they know nothing about weight loss. Well, yes, exactly. Which you interpret as they're stupid. But so, you know, definitely you have some thoughts about what the medical community gets wrong about weight loss. And I know so many of my listeners, you know, especially the ones that don't have a weight issue themselves, they take care of a lot of patients who have weight issues. And I think they would love to know what you think the medical community gets wrong about weight loss. Totally. Yes. First of all, I love doctors. I think doctors are badasses and they should all just tell everyone they're doctors. You should just wear scrubs all the time. (laughs) I, I wish she tells me that I should just be like, hi, I'm Dr. Katrina all of the time. <laughs> like I'm never doing that. <laughs> just introduce yourself. What's your name? I'm a doctor. <laughs> That's all you, you may call me Dr. Katrina. 
<laughs> Just call me doctor. Here's, here's my, I take issue with this because the whole time I was trying to lose weight and I would go to the doctor, there was just never, ever any good solution for the medical community. And part of the reason why many doctors have told me that is, is because you're not trained in weight loss. You don't, you get very little training in nutrition and the training that they do offer you in nutrition is completely bogus training, which no. is very frustrating. Not true. Right. Yeah. Um, in terms of weight loss, work, right? Obviously right. there's nutrition in terms of health yeah. that I think is probably pretty useful. They, they teach um, us about like these super, super rare, like vitamin yes. deficiencies that no one will ever see. But then there's like hundreds of thousands of overweight people. Right. <laughs> that are suffering from obesity, right? Right. So it's, I just actually went to the hospital to see my sister-in-law who is just had to have back surgery. She's suffering from obesity and they have her on a low fat diet. And it's just yeah. killing me. It's just yeah. killing me what they're serving her, right? They're bringing her in white bread sandwiches. <laughs> I want, I wanted to scream. Like, scream on the inside. I scream on the inside. Yeah. But, and I think because I've been at this so long, you know, decades of helping or a decade, I should say, of helping people lose weight and having them go to their doctors after they've lost 50, 60, 70 pounds and having the doctor say, stop what you're doing immediately because your cholesterol's, you know, changed or I don't like the way that you're eating makes no sense to me, right? But it's like this ingrained thinking of this is how it should be. And the fact that we've lost weight doing it a different way doesn't make any sense. And even, you know, I had another doctor who lost a hundred pounds with me and, you know, Mm -hmm. even other doctors were just thinking that she had gone and gotten the surgery. They didn't believe her. Mm -hmm. It's like such a narrow vision of there's only one way to lose weight. And, and here's, what's crazy about that. There's only one way to lose weight and it doesn't work. Right. Well, that's what I was just going to say. It's like, like, let's just keep trying to do the same thing that we have all this evidence. It doesn't work. It's not working over and over again, over and over again. And anything else is like very, very scary. Like one thing that I kind of prided myself on as when I was in practice as a physician was being open to doing things that were maybe not like your typical or less than your ordinary. Like if a patient came to me with something that was different, I was, I tried to be open-minded about it. I wanted to learn about it and just have some idea of, you know, just try, like, maybe this is amazing. I have no idea. Like I'm yes. willing to think about it, learn about it. And I feel like a lot of physicians with weight loss are not willing to do that. It's fascinating, right? And when I have clients go in there that have lost this weight, I feel like maybe ask them how they did it in a way that you can like help them verify was effective instead of telling them that they need to go on another low fat diet, which clearly you know, is not working. And so, and the whole cholesterol conversation makes me a little jumpy with people because I feel like, you know, our cholesterol goes up when we lose a lot of weight, especially when we lose it quickly. And so I, I, I don't blame doctors. I feel like in a lot of ways, they haven't gotten the training that they need and they don't understand it. But I also tell my students just to make sure they get do their own research and get second opinions yeah. and, and try right. and, and figure right. that out. So I'm hoping you're going to change that, Katrina. Well, I mean, what I love is, you know, working with physicians only. I love being able to have that conversation and be like, look, like, you know, I don't need to send you to your doctor to interpret the research. Like you can go do your own yes. research. Yes. Yes. Yourself. Awesome, right? I love, I love so much. It's just so great. Well, and that so. was so powerful. Like in our group, just having you and having another doctor in there when people got those cholesterol, when they got that 
step back. And then we're like freaking out. I'm like, check with the local doctor in our group here. Don't just listen. You know. Well, and except for the fact that, you know, I'm always just like, yeah, but don't forget that I'm a pediatrician. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I always say, do what your doctor says. I know. And I'd be like, well, what this is what I take off the record now. Actually go see a real doctor. <laughs> not me. <laughs> it's so good. I do feel like it has to change because you know, we don't have the cure. We don't have the solution in the mainstream yet. And so, but I know so Um, many people who listen, like so many of my clients feel this way. And so many people who listen really want, you know, they have such a servant's heart, right? They want to help. Their patients are coming to them saying, what can I do? How can I change things? How can I help? And, you know, they want to be able to help them. They just don't really know how. So it's so much more rewarding to have someone come back into your office after giving them a diagnosis and a prescription, even if it's just don't eat sugar and flour and have them come back and have it work. And and this is one thing I want to say, and I think this is so important for all of doctors to remember. I feel like as a physician, you have a place of authority with your patients and your patients desperately want answers and to be told what to do and what can work. And so I feel like it's such a beautiful opportunity to be able to encourage people to be uncomfortable long enough to be able to get the results. Right, right. What I would love is to be able to figure out a way that the physicians had enough time to actually with each patient encounter to be able to actually sit and have this discussion. Yeah. I think what so many doctors feel pressured with is the time. Like I, I have to get yeah, going. No, I don't flower, have no, time. Sugar no sugar and flour. Right. Right. <laughs> That's it. But you know, I have, I have a couple of clients who have, you know, had patients, you know, on diabetes medication for years mm-hmm. have given, you know, just helped them with some ideas and they're off their medication. They've, oh my God. I love that. Wait, I mean, it's the best, right? It's the oh my God. Best. Love it. Love it so much. It's so good. All right. So, you know, the final thing I just wanted to mention is I have, you know, like so many doctors, right? Want to be life coaches now. And they always yes. ask me, should I go do Brooks program? And the answer I always have is yes. Yeah. Right. Of course. <laughs> yes. Always. Everyone should. So, so if you guys are interested in checking that out, where should they go? The life coach school? Let mm-hmm. me just say something about that because I think I think a lot of what I've seen is a lot of doctors who are currently in practice that are unhappy. And so I would never, ever encourage anyone who's currently in practice, who's unhappy to come be a life coach so they could be happy. Of course, right? I'm always telling everyone, find a way to be happy where you are now. And that doesn't mean you don't take the training now. Take it now. A lot of physicians do. And they use all the tools in their current practices. I think it's easy to get bogged down, like we said, in the negativity of medicine. But before you make that big decision, do all the coaching work to find a way to find happiness. Because the truth is your career doesn't make you happy. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think a lot of people think like, oh, I'll just leave medicine and become a life coach and then life is going to be amazing. Right. And it will be when you do all of the thought work that's required that you can also do while you're still in practice. Well, and how many times have you said to me, it's so interesting now, had I had this work when I was still practicing? Oh, yeah. Like I totally did it all backwards. Like it's really fascinating to me why I didn't have the thought. I literally did not have the thought like maybe I should find a life coach to hire. (laughs) <laughs> like I had a couple free sessions with a friend and it was just like, that was it. I don't know why I didn't think like, yeah, maybe I should do that. And I'm, you know, it all worked out great. And I'm glad that it yeah. worked out the way it did. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree that when people have had the coaching experience and had had some sort of transformational experience for themselves, it's so much easier than to learn the tools in a different way right? Because knowing them and then knowing how to apply them to yourself only then helps you to teach them to others and help them apply them. Yeah. And, you know, and, leave, and leave your job because you want to, not because right. you need it. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or because, you know, a lot of a lot of what I hear is like, well, I just want more freedom. And, you know, with the idea then that that presupposes that there are no jobs in medicine that right. give you the freedom that you want. Right? Or, or that a job is what provides you with freedom. Yeah. Which is, yeah, start your own business. That's a great right. way to get a lot of freedom. Listen, people, it may look easy. We are, we work. <laughs> you did make it look pretty easy, Katrina. I did make it look pretty easy. But, you know, I have to say too, though, like if I had not been in that coaching group with you mm-hmm. in those early baby stages getting coached, yeah, I just don't know whether I would have even kept with us because it is so hard in the beginning and it's so easy to just let your thinking take over and, you know, not evaluate it and just kind of let it turn into a big nothing, you know? So I'm so grateful to you for that. Of course. And the, and the truth is it's just easier to eat a cookie than it is not to. Mm -hmm. And that decision right there is, you know, kind of the catalyst for every decision to come after it. And so being coached and having a coach to give you perspective on that, I think is the absolute best investment. So I think that before you think about anything else, especially just there, there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that are like, oh yeah, I wouldn't hire a coach. I like listening to Katrina talk, but I wouldn't hire a coach. Like, yeah, if that's you, just like really think about why is that? Because for me, I would have been like, oh, I can figure this out on my own. But the truth is until you get perspective on your own brain, You'll be yeah. like blown away by it. Yeah. You know, just just recently I had a gal who posted in my group who said, I really thought I was going to be able to do this more as a self-study, mm. but I'm realizing I actually need some help. So here I am reaching yeah. out. And I was so That's proud that. of her, right? Because, you know, it's so easy to go in like, oh, I, I'll just, you know, listen to everything. I'll fill out some worksheets. I'll change my life. It'll be great. And yeah, I'm like super smart. success doing that, you know, That's yeah. great. But to recognize wait a minute, I'm not getting out of this what I want. Maybe I really need to, you know, focus and do this. Like, I think that's, yeah, that's so great to have that insight. And yeah, I mean, I always think I'm like, no, what you should do is go through my program, change your life and then become a life coach. Like that's right. what you should do. <laughs> if that's what you want to do. Right? If you still want to do that at the yes. end, right? Yes. Because yeah. yeah. so many of them then are just like, I love my job more than I ever thought I could. And yes. yeah, they're right. Because the answer is the solution is not all the doctors leave medicine. Right. Please like not. we can't have them do that. So I'm like, who's going to take care of me? Come on. Well, and I, like I said, I just think having doctors in positions that, that really have this knowledge and understand how much the mental affects everything that happens with our health, I think is imperative. I think yeah. we need life coaches in medicine. I Definitely. think for sure. Definitely. So. Yeah. So great. All right, Brooke, thank you so much. How fun was this? Episode 100 in the books. 100, congrats! Yay! (laughs) Thanks, Brooke. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Did you know that you can find a lot more help from me on my website? Go to katrinauvelmd.com and click on free resources.